Hey everyone, it's Amanda from Team Media Mar, and I am here today with your host, Jacqueline, and we are discussing a little bit about the behind the scenes of Uncooked and what is going into the makings of season two, which I am really excited to dive into. So hi, Jacqueline, how's it going? What's up, Amanda? I'm so excited too, because Uncooked has been silent for a while. So I think it's time. I think it's time to come back out again. I agree. And you know, I was so excited when we started this project a little over a year ago, I think. And we host several other shows. But when you came to us, you're like, this is my idea. This is what I want to do. And I'm ready to go like (laughs) next week. Are you ready? And we're like, oh, yeah, we're ready. Okay. Oh, you mean that doesn't happen? (laughs) No, no. Actually, some people are like, well, I want to be a host, but I'm not quite sure what I want to talk about. And you're like, no, I know what needs to be said. (laughs) So we were so excited to jump on board with this project. And you've had some really cool guests over this past season one. Yeah. Who do you think was your favorite person that you've interviewed so far? Come on. I mean, that's like asking me favorite child. Like you can't answer those questions, but I guess I'll go at it from the standpoint of the episode that surprised me the most, but the episode that I received the most feedback on that surprised the listening audience was the Black Wing Pencil Podcast. That was the one that it surprised everyone because obviously we talked about the pencils itself and how they were made and all of that stuff. But the conversation between Alex and myself that day, it just kind of went deeper and it just came out to be a great insightful episode, not just about marketing, branding and products, which we did check all those boxes, but you know, he brought to light things like when you use a pencil, it forces you to slow down. And in this day and age of technology and all the things that are thrown at us, we need to slow down our thinking. And a pencil gets you to do exactly that when you're writing pencil to paper. And it was like, everyone was like, whoa, mind blown. This is deep. I love it. I have to tell you, I now have a box of lapping pencils sitting on my desk uh, with the special sharpener. Yeah. And every time I use it, I, <laughs> I'm like, is this like, I just feel more in touch with my creative side. I don't even know. I could be writing a grocery See? list and I'm still like, yeah. This is, this is yeah. it. This is what I was built for. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would love to know from Blackwing, if you're listening, there has to be a spike in sales that was just due to me because so many people have texted me and said, I got my Blackwing today. I'm so excited. Can't wait to use them. And it's so funny, but you know, that was one, like I said, it surprised everybody, including myself. But I just had a lot of great guests on. I had people who talked about research, all different kinds of research from like high tech Susie to total qualitative nonfiction going into prisons to interview people. It was just a great season. And I was really excited about the feedback that I received, but it just also really fired me up to do season two. So yeah, I'm pumped. Absolutely. Now talking about season two, what Mm -hmm. are you most looking forward to? in the upcoming episodes? Well, the ones that I have so far that I'm really excited about is the duo from a company called Beauty Marked, which just launched this past fall from two 
inspiring ladies, Hadeen Brown and Shalise Josephs, and they are focused on creating a marketplace of beauty products for women of color. Because the learning there is that women of color cannot walk into just any cosmetic counter and actually find what they need for their skin tone, which I think is ridiculous. And so the industry has made it ridiculously challenging. And what they aim to do was to really fix that and say, you know, we're kind of tired of always having to jump through hoops to find what we need. So we're just going to create a marketplace where people can buy our subscription boxes, try the products without spending, you know, a million dollars to try all these different products. So, I mean, I just love them because they're working full time, they're moms, and then they found this time to create this new business and they're really passionate about it. And they're really serving a need in the industry for cosmetics. And I think they were just really hugely inspiring when I heard their story. So that's one that I'm looking forward to for sure. And one that I'm personally excited about just because of my own personal interest is to interview Chef Daniels from Woodfire Food. Oh my God, I'm so excited for that one. I don't know if you've heard of them, but you have to look them up. They're a full service, farm to table, experiential catering company. So they cook all their food over a live fire. So just imagine, you know, having a wedding and whatever the setting is, and they do all kinds of settings, but they cook the entire meal over a live fire. And if anybody has ever done anything like that on a small scale, you know how challenging that is. They pull it off for a dozen people to hundreds of people. And I just love their concept of how they pull it off. And Chef Daniels, he seems to be like a really cool guy. And they've created like a niche for themselves. The biggest thing that I learned just from season one and now getting into season two is that for anybody thinking about starting a business and when sometimes you get that discouraging thought of like, well, the world doesn't need another insert whatever, but it just goes to show you that it doesn't really matter. If you're passionate about it, you find an angle and you do it well, you could be successful. And Woodfire Food, I think they're just a really great example of something like that. You know, last season, you talked a lot about the trend in 2021 to be focused on intentional luxury, especially from like the post pandemic that you had a whole episode on marketing trends to look forward to. And I see this idea of luxury in like small everyday things. I see it everywhere now. So I'm in the aisles of Target and I'm looking at this little 10 square feet of Magnolia licensed products. And I feel like I'm enjoying his kitchen and I'm like, holy cow. Like, this is what Jacqueline was talking about. And she's like a fortune teller, right? Yeah, right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. Which is totally my vibe, by the way. I operate on a high frequency of every day is a party. Let's be luxurious. So this speaks to me. I'm living my best life right now. Good. I love it. (laughs) In the target aisle. I'm there for it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can you just wear like a little camera on your head? Because I kind of want to see the whole thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, I'll just FaceTime you next time and be like, hey, so (laughs) here we are. There's this cake stand that I really, (laughs) really want. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. 
<laughs> Here's the thing, though. So in season two, we're focusing on functional brands that people love, right? So tell us a little bit about what that means. And really, we're looking at, I mean, obviously, we want to buy everything from all of these people that you're bringing forward. But you're not just here to say, hey, this is cool, buy it, right? right? Like, who are we talking to? It seems to be from the feedback that I've gotten from season one, there is a range. So it goes from what I'm finding as like, I will call young marketers meeting early in their careers, still really learning about branding, but also trying to get really applicable job insights for themselves that they can kind of listen to an episode and literally apply it that day. And that's the way I like to position the insights that I come with because I want everybody to learn something or take away something. So I have learned that that was something that people are taking away are applicable insights. And the other spectrum is really about, I've heard that people who are more seasoned, who just get inspired by the entrepreneurial journeys that I featured and will feature in the next season, you know, just from people trying to be inspired in their own everyday life. And then they hear someone else's story about how they started the business and how they became resilient because of all the barriers that they were up against, but still pulled it off somehow. I think even if you don't ever intend to start your own business, just hearing stories like that tend to make you feel good and feel like, okay, I got this. So I did hear some of that. So I would say young marketers, seasoned marketers. And I think the in-between spot that I also heard is, especially some of the research episodes that I featured and the ones that are coming up in season two, it seems like that marketers are using some of these ideas to help validate what they've been thinking, but needed a little push to say to their own teams, like, hey, we should really check out this new methodology because we've been reading about it. Last time I asked for budget, I didn't get it, but let's ask again, because here's an episode highlighting all the reasons why we should do it. So I think having guests and highlighting brands that help marketers kind of always be better and push and validate internally, because I think internally, that's always the mountain that people have to climb, whether it's a budget conversation, because marketers are always fighting for some kind of dollars. So I think as long as the pod can serve validation and ammo for the next internal conversation, then that means we're doing something right over here. about brands that people love what does that mean to you because i can tell you're already enamored by these people that you've already spoken to what do you think it is that makes a brand stand out and be something that people genuinely love and love to refer to other people you know and the reason why we talked about it focusing this season on functional brands that people love is because from my agency experience i've been in many many conference rooms both on the client side and agency side it's easy to dismiss a marketing campaign or thought or idea when you have people in the room saying, well, yeah, but we're not Maserati and we're not a high-end watch or we're not a high-end this or that or handbag. We're only frozen peas <laughs> or we are pureed organic baby food or we're this. So I think what tends to happen is that on the brand side, on the client side, they tend to because of their everyday existence and what they are, they sometimes lose sight of the fact that 
what made them special, especially in a big organization. And you start to lose sight of that. And there really are people out there who could be brand fans who really love them for who they are, what they believe in. And yes, the product, of course, the product always has to deliver quality and deliver on the promise because that's entry stakes. But it's the whole halo around the brand is what creates that brand love for people. So whether you're a startup or you're an established brand, are there humans behind it that care? Do they have a good point of view? And do they have a belief system that I actually could recognize myself in? Because there's like that old adage of like, you don't buy a brand, you join a brand. So it's even if you're just buying it off the shelf, there's something about what you're doing when you're reaching for that product there's an emotional reason for you to reach for that. You might think it's rational, but typically it's emotional because you're reaching for it because the color caught your eye, something on the packaging. Even if you turn it over and you're looking at ingredients, all of those things, you still need to get people to reach out for that. And once they try it, and once they realize that you're actually creating value in their life, whether it's getting dinner on the table faster, or it's driving in a fast car that you've always loved. Either way, that's how you start to create that. That makes so much sense. And I love that you bring up the value that brands bring, even in like the most simplistic way, because I think we have a lot of really great stories coming up about how these brands have identified a need organically. It's just something that's come up in their everyday lives. And instead of saying, we were just having a conversation about this the other day that you said a lot of brands retrofit their values into the purpose of their products, right. but these brands are creating solutions to these problems as a direct yep. result of their values. Yep, totally. And that's the other thing too, that I would love to squash the myth of there's people who have been in longstanding companies and say their own tenure, they've been there a long time and they are looking around at all the new brands that pop up and they say, well, you know, we used to have values or we have values now, but they're out of date and they're not fresh. And so they might have these DNA strands from 50 years ago, but they're looking at it now relative to the competitors and they're saying it doesn't apply. And sometimes that's true, but it doesn't mean that that you have to kind of give up on it because you've been around for 50 years for a reason. You've 50 years of great decision-making and you're there. So it's all about saying, dust off the values, re-examine them again, and look at them with like new context. So maybe the way that it was described 50 years ago is no longer in play, but maybe there's fresh context around that same value that's still really important. And then all of a sudden, I think you can re-energize people. So a lot of these conversations don't always have to apply to new brands, right on the scene, entrepreneurial wizards, because I think there's many, many brands who have been around for a really long time and have lost their way, but there's no reason for them to kind of throw in the towel. They could still become relevant very easily. Okay, Jacqueline. So when this episode airs, we're going to be at the very beginning of 2022. Mm -hmm. um, can you give us your best um, take it from Jacqueline 
kind of prediction for what 2022 oh is going to bring just off the cuff. Let's just see. And then I want to come back at the end of the year and say, Hmm, was she right? She probably will be right folks. Just saying oh, So man. no pressure, no pressure. What do you think? What's coming for 2022? I don't know if it's necessarily 2022, but I know contextual advertising is going to be more and more important. And what I mean by that is, especially as we think about podcasts, for instance, and we think about how ads on podcasts now, Uncooked is ad-free, by the way, but ads on podcasts, they have a higher completion rate, response rate than, say, online advertising because it's a little bit more intimate and it's a lot more targeted. So I think because people are, you know, you have your headphones in, you're engrossed in some story and you're listening and then you do get interrupted by this podcast advertising. But for some reason, it's a little bit more seamless. It's a little bit more welcomed because I think the owner of that content makes sure that it's highly relevant. So it's not going to be just anything that's going into your ears at that moment. It's going to be something that's at least tangentially related to the topic. And I just think that we're going to keep seeing more and more of that because it's just the way that it's all going. I mean, it's already starting to get there, but I think as marketers, we're going to get better at it (laughs) because I think a lot of marketers have been struggling with how exactly do I pull this off? But that's one thing that's kind of swirling around in my brain at the moment. I totally hear that. And, you know, something that's always fascinated me just from a marketing and a storytelling standpoint, because that's my jam team. I'm on team MediaMar for the storytelling and the writing, mm-hmm. but I've always been in very, not so much intrigued, but just really on board with this idea of micro influencers, because it really goes back to when you were a kid and you saw someone wearing a Lisa Frank t-shirt and matching leggings. (laughs) It was me. It was me who saw the people wearing Lisa Frank matching shirts and leggings. Mm -hmm. And then you wanted to wear them too. And it wasn't because, I mean, it could be because of the design, but it's because you trusted that person. It was usually my BFF. She had the best style. Um, And (laughs) you just, and I trusted her and it makes it easy to make those purchasing decisions. And I don't know how many times I see on Facebook, you know, someone makes a post and is like, my basement's flooding. Who do I call? And then they even have like a recommendation feature because your friends know who to call. And when we're so busy, especially in the podcasting world, there's so many voices happening. When you find someone who you really resonate with and who brings content that you value, you're going to trust what they say. And also what they're selling, even if you're not going to buy a consultation package with them, if they say, hey, this Ember mug is really cool. It makes sense that you're like, hey, I want to check that out and see if it works for me too. So I, I get it. I get it. I mean, the fact that Instagram is becoming more and more shoppable and now they're recommending products based off of your feed and all that. But I think there's definitely two sides of that. One side is when it's so contextual, you tend to like live in this bubble and you don't get exposed to new things. So that's the downside of it. But the upside of it is the fact that you are getting recommendations from like-minded brands and there's 
less resistance to kind of do that shopping, especially for somebody like me who I don't really love to shop. So the fact that if somebody can make it easier and make that path a lot shorter, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. But I do think contextual when it's welcomed is when you start to look at brands as like, oh, they're helping me as opposed to they're interrupting me. And I think the more that brands are understanding that and how to do that in their media, that's part of the brand love equation. Absolutely. And, you know, all of that comes back to trust, right? So we're definitely not in a position where we can trick consumers anymore. And we can't show up with just the right keywords and just the right algorithms. We can't beat anything. It comes down to those people and those choices. So that makes so much sense. Okay. So Jacqueline, do you have any words of advice or anything you would like to ask your audience before we head into season two? I would always love to hear about topics that if I'm not hitting on it, what do they want to hear? Because I'll address it and I'll go find guests on those topics that they want to hear. So I think that's the biggest thing I would want to ask is how can we cover topics that help you in your everyday job? All right, guys. So I am so excited to hear all the great conversations that Jacqueline is having in season two. Make sure you subscribe to Jacqueline's podcast, Uncooked, and get ready for season two. And be sure to join the email list to be the first to know when new episodes are airing. Again, this is Amanda from Team Media Mark, and we're here with Jacqueline, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much, Amanda.